0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from New York City. Welcome to the show, Matt Piccini.
1: Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, great to have you here. Now, Matt, we've known each other for a number of years and we're partnered together on some projects, which is great fun. But maybe before we dive into the details, for the folks who have not met you, give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey.
1: Sure. I uh, moved to New York City to pursue a career in theater and was a professional actor for five years. I then started working in digital marketing. And uh, in 2001, when the dot-com bubble burst, my digital marketing business uh, (laughs) imploded. And when that happened, I needed to find a new place to live because I got a call from my landlord telling me I had 90 days to get out. So I uh, found a place, instead of renting, I found a place to buy. I bought that place and two years later, actually sold it and saw my initial investment more than quadruple in value. And that was when the big light bulb went off in my head saying, wow, I need to figure out how to do this real estate thing. So I continued on to do real estate as a hobby for about 10 years. And then about eight years ago, I started doing real estate full-time. And I primarily focus on multifamily real estate investments. And I use a syndication model to fund those.
0: I love that. And you wrote a book, if I remember, The Backstage Guide to Real Estate.
1: Correct. I have a a number one best-selling book. Um, I also have a YouTube channel and a bunch of social media properties out there and I've been honored to speak on stages all across the U.S. So it's been a, a lot of fun sharing the message of uh, passive investment. And I also help mentor and coach people who are looking to do real estate syndications. So it's, uh, it's something that I find very rewarding is just sharing about my journey and helping others. Now you're
0: a co-GP in several thousand units of apartments. And I know you're very active, you're very hands-on as an owner, manager of these properties. Talk to us a little bit about asset management and what that means from your perspective, what you've learned, what some of the lessons are, some of the things that you should be doing, shouldn't be doing, might be doing anyway. What what have you discovered over the last little bit?
1: Sure. Well, as a background to understand my approach, when I was working In digital marketing so when I when I bought that first property I actually went in-house at a client of mine Showtime the television channel uh, and I was working I was actually coding and I switched over into project management and over my 18 year career in the digital marketing world I became a PMI certified project management professional which just means I'm really good at managing people budgets and timelines and what I've done is I've taken all of those tools and tricks and skills that I learned as a project manager on marketing projects and moved that over to doing the same sort of skills and techniques, but doing them to manage real estate projects. So as I moved up the sort of corporate ladder, if you will, in marketing, I went from being a project manager to overseeing multiple project managers as a senior project manager and then a director and eventually became VP, the head of project management for the different companies I was working at. And so my job at that point on a daily basis was to meet with each project manager and see how each individual project was doing. And that is sort of what I do now as an asset manager where I'm meeting with each individual team that we have. We use third-party property management companies to oversee all of our assets. uh, and, And sometimes, Sometimes you know we, we have a few different companies that we use, and I am meeting on a weekly basis with them, and I've taken you know what what I used to call my uh, my stoplight status sheet and developed that into a, a more comprehensive dashboard. It's basically a, a multi-tab spreadsheet that I have that each of our. Uh, pro- Property managers at each asset uses, and on a weekly basis, they are filling out information, uh, what we call KPIs or key performance indicators, to see how we are doing in different areas of the business, and it's basically broken up into three different categories. The first category all has to deal with uh, occupancy, so uh, you know what is our our current occupancy, projected occupancy, do we have traffic coming in, what are those traffic sources. Are those people filling out applications? uh, Are those applications getting approved? Um, How many move-ins, move-outs, evictions? The second portion of our dashboard Uh, just goes into actual the delinquency what kind of delinquency do we have what have our collections been and breaks down the delinquency into the different types uh, so that we can manage everything and try to push those collections moving forward and then the second the the third the last part is really just based on the the daily operations Uh, how many units have we turned a lot of times we are doing some sort of value add usually the value add that we're doing we're making renovations to the property to the interior units as well as the exteriors but we're tracking those interior units how those are coming along along with uh, work orders very important Uh, we want to make sure that we don't have any work orders over 72 hours that I think is a really really key metric because if you have a lot of work orders that are going to be over 72 hours there's a problem work orders aren't getting done, and you're not going to have happy residents of your community. The most important thing is to keep retention at the property. You want people to renew. If they're not renewing the cost to renovate a unit or just get a unit turned and then find a new tenant to come in and get in there, you've got vacancy while that's happening and you've got the cost of turning the unit. If you can keep someone in there, even if you have a little bit of loss to lease, you are much, much further ahead of the game so the best way to do that is to make sure that residents are happy so uh, one of those ways is to make sure that you don't have any work orders over 72 hours we also look at things like you know how are we doing with staffing have we had any emergencies that week Uh, and and that kind of information but that's what we're looking at on a weekly basis and no matter how good a property management team is, uh, you know, a property management company, a third-party property management company, you really need to manage that asset. You really need to be working with them and looking at it. I, I, for at least the first 12 to 24 months of operations after we take over a property, we are doing that on a weekly basis. Now, we can get to a point where we could start doing less frequently if things are running very smoothly.
0: I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, one of the things that we've often seen is that yes, a property management company will have systems and processes, but at the end of the day, it's the person in that particular chair that is going to determine the outcome of your property. And they're generally sitting on your payroll, you're paying them directly and you're paying a fee to the property management company who are theoretically overseeing it. But at the end of the day, it's your relationship with them and setting the expectation, setting the culture for your property, setting the tone that's ultimately going to determine the outcome. Do you often find a conflict where you're giving direction that is at odds with what their boss at the property management company might be giving them?
1: We have not run into that, fortunately. One of the things is we're very clear with uh, the property management company exactly what our expectations are, and we understand what their SOPs are. And the other thing that that we should talk about, it kind of sounds like, I'm a tough guy checking all these KPIs and things like that. But we also make sure that we have some levity. We have some fun in all of our communications. I mean, it's a serious business, but we try to not make it too serious and make sure that our employees are happy. You know, one of the things that I'm often talking about when I'm talking on stages and things of that nature is about sort of trying to reinvent property ownership as a positive for communities. And to me, that means the residents of the community and the staff who work there Along with ultimately our investors. We are in this to make a profit, but we can do well by doing good. Um, so, you know, one of the things we do is whenever I'm visiting the properties, I'll take the managers out for lunch or for dinner. Uh, we try to incentivize them with bonuses. We give them bonuses during the holidays. Uh, all of those things to keep the staff happy and properly incentivized to do a good job.
0: The term property management, in my mind, is a little bit of a misnomer because a property is an inanimate thing. At the end of the day, the property manager is really managing the tenant relationship more so than the property itself. Can you talk a little bit about that, some of those dynamics and how you instill that into your systems and processes?
1: That is, I think, a little bit of an art I remember the first property that we bought was a 132 unit property. And I was amazed (laughs) that the property manager knew every single tenant in every single unit and knew their dog, a lot of them had dogs. She knew the dogs, she knew the dogs' names. I mean, she knew everybody. And that (laughs) property was actually one of the smoothest running properties we've ever had. I really think that it is imperative for the property managers to develop good relationships with with the tenants and we can see that when we have a new property manager that comes on at a property within the next you know after the first few months if they're not referring to units and and tenants by their names when we're on the calls talking about them we can tell that they're not developing the relationship and ultimately it, the property suffers we don't have good retention of our uh, of our residents and we also have a lot of problems with collections and delinquencies so it it is imperative and that's part of the you know the property management training i think that they get from from the property management company and and just to just to touch base on what you had mentioned earlier about sort of making sure that everyone's in the loop and on most of our calls we will have not only our property manager for the particular property, but there's usually uh, almost always the regional. And then sometimes we have a director level person on there. So everybody knows sort of all the way up the chain. you know, we don't use these very, very large property management companies where there's, you know, layers and layers and layers of management. I have done that in the past and it has not turned out well. We work with what I would consider a medium-sized property management company, so they have enough clout in the market, enough units in the market to, to have a little weight to throw around with vendors if needed, but also... It allows us coming in with several thousand units to be a, a bigger fish in a medium-sized pond, so that we do get the uh, attention that we need. I mean, I know for a fact with all the property managers that we need, I can, I have cell phone numbers for the Sea Level Suite. I can get on a phone call if I need to, if there's any sort of emergency or any
0: problems. I love that, and and that was a. Sort of very useful gem of information. I don't know if the listeners picked up on it, but if the property manager is referring to unit one or four versus Mrs. Smith, those are very different. It says a lot about how they're thinking about that unit. If folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? The
1: best way to reach me is through my website, pichenny.com. It's P-I-C-H-E-N-Y.com, or you can find me on, on all the social medias, but the best way I think is through the site.
0: Matt, great to catch up and great to be working with you on several projects. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Matt Piccini at piccini.com, and the link will be in the show notes. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.